Hello again, fight fans. Welcome to episode 263 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero, for Ring Magazine, ringtv.com, and the Ring Digital YouTube channel, where you are checking me out live right now. As always, we remind you guys, please make sure you're subscribed, and please make sure you click on that notification bell so that you know the second we go live. All right. Cowstar in the chat says, what's up, sock cucka? Yeah, I see what you did there. I'm just going to leave that one alone. Just going to leave it alone. All right, guys. Uh, so, again, make sure that you're subscribed, okay? It's TNC263 for the week of April 24, and the audio pod will be out tomorrow, Tuesday. So uh, we were going to have Stephen Shaw on the show. He was supposed to fight uh, this Thursday on Ring City USA on NBC Sports, but his opponent, Jermaine Franklin, is uh, he tested positive with the COVID. Yeah. Yeah, so that sucks. So um I decided I decided <clears throat> it's 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 hard enough. I didn't know if they were gonna have uh, a rescheduled fight for Shaw, if they're gonna bring in a different opponent or not. But even if they did and he still had the fight coming up, it turns out they just canceled. Well, they didn't cancel the fight, they postponed it altogether. So both guys are off the card this Thursday. But uh, even if he got a replacement opponent, I wouldn't even want him on the show because last minute replacement opponents. Bad news in boxing. There's there's a huge list, a laundry list of upset specials that happen with last minute replacements, and I would not even want to add to his complications right now. So anyway, uh, he won't be on the show today. We're going to go right into news and notes. Gail Falkenthal in the chat. What is up, Gail? She says it's the Triller edition of Mob. Where's the hooch and the weed? Well, uh, for the record, guys, I I don't do weed i don't smoke weed uh it's just not my thing i do enjoy some alcohol but right now i am uh doing a 30 day zero drop of alcohol detox uh, me and my wife decided to do that because um we you know we only drink on the weekend once a week or whatever but we're like you know what every now and then probably two or three times a year we take a month or two off completely and just totally dry out uh you guys know I'm, i've been uh, back in training pretty hard recently so chris bergen out of the chat what's up my man he says hey mike all right guys uh let's get right into this news and notes this is montero on triller let's talk about it all right so last saturday here in atlanta it was triller on pay-per-view of course jake paul ben Askren. i'll get into the fight specifically later on i just want to talk a little bit about my experience what i saw relay it to you guys because there are very few people that have gone to these Triller cards. They've been going on during COVID, and that's part of it. They haven't had fans. But I also, just kind of looking around and seeing the production and the setup, I really think it's by design. I don't think they're that concerned with fans being in attendance. And I'll tell you more about what I mean in just a second here. A uh, shout-out to Albert Baker and Lena Baker, who were there. I didn't even know that uh, Triller was doing this, but – um, I guess there's a thing called a golden ticket or something like that. There was like a contest that they they selected 100 or maybe 200 people from around the country who had Triller accounts. And they actually gave them tickets to this fight, uh, gave them money for a flight, put them up in a hotel, the whole, the works. And it just so happens, Albert Baker, Baker and Lena Baker, who are two of the uh, LA boxing crew people that I kind of came up on the scene out there with, um, they won they won tickets so they were out here so it was really really cool to see some of my uh la boxing family out here in atlanta and um 
that was fun, man. That was a lot of fun. But okay, let me talk a little bit about the setup. First of all, they did not have ringside media for this event. And at first I didn't understand that. They said that they'd put all media up in a suite and it wasn't way, way up. It was just kind of, it was on the lower bowl, but there was a suite on the lower bowl where they put us and it was a good view, very good uh, sight line and everything for us. It was slightly elevated. So it was almost like the camera shot that you get on TV, maybe a little lower than that, but it was a good view. It was cool, but kind of an odd setup from what I'm used to, right? Because I, I didn't get it. Why no ringside media? And they selected very, very few media to attend the event live. Most of the media that covered this event covered it remote. And all of the fighter interviews and everything like that was done via Zoom. So they gave everybody a Zoom link, even for those of us there at the venue. They gave us a Zoom link where we could uh, go go in and, and talk to the fighters that way after the fight. And um, usually, you know, there's a post-fight press conference in a dedicated area of the venue. All the media goes there, et cetera, et cetera. It was not set up that way. And at first, I really didn't understand why. I'm like, what, what is up with this? Because Georgia's wide open. Atlanta's open. There's there's protocol and everything. But you can have fans in attendance right now at events. Not 100% capacity. It's limited. But you can have fans. You can have media. But they didn't have it set up like that. Once I went there and saw what they were trying to do, now I understand why. All right, so just to give you guys kind of a – those of you who saw it, you know, you know where I'm going with this. But this was not set up as a boxing event. And what I'm about to say, it's not in a derogatory way or you know me dissing anything. It's just giving you guys the matter of fact. This was set up as a music event, as a concert event with some boxing. When we got there, you know, the, the stadium is oval, right? And usually – there's a ring in the middle and everyone, you know, at all parts of the stadium, the arena, whatever it is, can see down into the ring. This everything was set up and staged to maybe 20 percent of the of the stadium. Every, the, the other 80 percent, you'd be looking at the back of a soundstage. They built this elaborate concert soundstage and it had several le- levels to it. There was, I think, three levels high where you saw some of the artists during the concerts kind of go up, walk up steps, and then come down steps. And then they had like a a, a couple different stages. They had a smaller stage, and then they had this big old stage where the rock bands would play because they got to set up their their instruments and stuff. They had a crazy elaborate light setup. That was awesome. I got to say, the lights and stuff were awesome. And then they had uh, all kinds of pyrotechnics set up. They had fireworks and stuff shooting off and blowing up all over the place. So it was basically a Super Bowl halftime show, actually even bigger than that. It, this was a full-on concert setup in the middle of the, like the floor of this stadium. Okay, and, and for those of you who don't know, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, downtown Atlanta, that is where the NFL team, the Atlanta Falcons, play here. And I think there's a Major League Soccer team here, the Atlanta United. They play there too. So uh, it's a big venue. It's actually, I got to say, quick tangent, that stadium is amazing. Uh, it, I, I've been to a million venues across this country. The Mercedes-Benz Stadium, downtown Atlanta, I, now I see why they chose to put the Super Bowl there recently. Uh, and they've, I know they've had Olympics and stuff in Atlanta before, but this is a new venue. And I think they're going to be bringing more big events like that here because the venue is awesome. It's, this is one of the coolest stadiums in America, seriously. If you're in, this isn't like a paid advertisement. I'm just saying... If you're in the Atlanta area and you want to check out a game or something, I highly recommend it. I'm a sports nut, so I love checking out venues. You guys know that. But, okay, 
back to the actual setup. This was set up 100% for the TV broadcast. It was not set up for the fans in attendance. So the fans that they did fly in, they had a couple hundred like contest winners, like I told you guys, were all in the lower bowl section right in front of the, the main stage. And by the way, there was all these different stages and all this light show set up, and then there was this tiny ring in the middle of it. It was not regulation size. That was a small-ass ring right in the middle of it. No press row. Uh, there was a table where all the commentators, there was like 10 commentators, they weren't right by the ring. They were kind of off the ring. It was a different setup, a, a unique setup from what I've ever seen. And then, so anyway, you have the fans right there, right there looking straight into the ring. And then we were just above that in our suite, the, the media guys looking down at that. And then there's the higher suites up where, I guess during the football games and stuff, you know how uh, the sky boxes, at, at most, most venues have them now, right? There's that row around like the middle of the stadium, the middle ring where there's sky boxes and usually uh, corporations will buy them out and you give them to their big wigs, their executives and stuff. That is where they were having like VIP parties. So they, they brought in all these celebrities and I use air quotes with that because most of these guys were YouTube celebrities, pop stars. When I say pop stars, that includes rappers because rap is pop music. Now it's not really any different. Justin Bieber, your average rapper, pretty much the same music now, right? So it was just all these pop stars, mostly rappers, partying. And that was right above us. So there was a couple of suites right above the media section. And the DJ, just one of them played like Flashlight, that song from the 70s, like on repeat for like 30 minutes, 40 minutes. And it was just pillows of smoke floating out and floating down on us in the media section and down onto the lower bowl of the arena, like, there was just pot reeking throughout that entire section, the whole VIP thing. So that gives you an idea of the setup. So I'm sitting there uh, just seeing this. And then I was chilling with Albert and Lena because they, they were out there. We were looking around. We were talking because we were trying to figure out what the hell is this? Because we're boxing people, right? We're diehard boxing people. And we're trying to figure out what the hell are they going for here? Because it's so different from anything we've ever seen. And that's when we started to figure it out. So, in my opinion, right, at least for right now, these fight night series or fight club series that Triller's doing, they are not doing these for fans in attendance. It is, again, like I said, 100% for the TV broadcast. And what they are going for, in my opinion, is college kids, high school kids. They're going for people 25 and under that, because look, dude, they're taking YouTubers, former MMA fighters, former boxers. They've had NBA players. They had an entrepreneur from England on the show who actually does have boxing experience, but uh, they had him fighting. They've had, they've had all these different types of celebrities. It was this crazy, eclectic, unique, kind of bizarre mixture of people, right? And then you had like Snoop doing commentary. E-40 was there, Ice Cube. You have all these old rappers. Too Short was there. Then you have like rock musicians playing. You have Justin Bieber. You have these uh, pop chicks. Like I didn't even know who these girls were that were singing. Some of them were, you know, nice, nice bodies though. Some nice dancing. But anyway, tangent. Uh, they were all doing this concert stuff. I would say it was the pay-per-view started at 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, right? I think there was like one fight and then there was like an hour of concerts and then another fight, more concerts, another fight, more concerts. They had a slap boxing thing in the middle of all that. 
it was just this crazy mix of shit. And I felt like I was, I, I didn't go to college. I was never in a fraternity, but it felt to me like I was at a frat party. There was just a little bit of everything for everybody. It was just kind of craziness, insanity. And again, I'm not saying this in a bad way. I'm saying it in a good way. I think they just put on this smorgasbord of content for young people. And you got to think about this. When is the last concert any of you have been to in a COVID world? Concerts have been shut down, right? For the most part. Most people in most parts of the world can't go to concerts. Most artists haven't been touring. So what Triller did here is they brought the concert to you. They brought the, the show to you. What do young people like to do? Like to go to the club, drink, smoke some weed, hang out, see some hot chicks, whatever it is, right? Uh, go, go to a concert. Well, Triller brought the club to you. They brought the, the concert to you. They brought the weed and the, and the drink and all that to you. So I really think, and look, I think this thing is going to do well over a million pay-per-view buys. Um, even though the fights on it were all complete showcases, it was insanity. I'll talk more about that in a second, but I honestly think this is going to do well over a million buys, maybe 1.5 to 2 mil. Uh, that's the early indications that we're hearing, but it's way too soon to know it will do well over a million pay-per-view buys. I really think that young college kids and shit like that sitting in their dorm with nothing to do on a Saturday night, all the clubs are closed. They can't really go out and do a whole lot. Shit. Let's spend 50 bucks. Let's smoke some shit. Let's drink some beer. Let's watch this Triller pay-per-view. I really think that's what they're going for. And if you look at the commentary, <laughs> by the way, Oscar De La Hoya, I don't know what he was on, but holy shit, was he gone. They, they gave us a feed of the broadcast, right? So we could see everything. They had huge jumbotrons that we could see the action. And then, of course, we could see it right in front of us. But they put um, uh, the audio feed right above us so we could hear everything perfect. But I, I shit you guys not. I'm not making this shit up. I could hear Oscar yelling down by the ring from where I was sitting. And then I heard him later, like the, the audio came through because there was a delay. So I was hearing like double. I couldn't hear any of the other commentators. I could barely hear the fight action a lot of the times. But I could hear Oscar. He was lit screaming his ass off. I don't know what he was on. I hope he's okay. But uh, Snoop Dogg the entire time is smoking weed. He's blazed out of his mind. I I heard L. Bernstein smoked weed with, with Snoop, and he was high. So, like, in my mind, I remember I was looking. Uh, I met a couple of cool guys there uh, sitting uh, at, at, at Press Row. There was a couple of cool guys, like Atlanta press guys, that work for our Atlanta sports media uh platforms which is really cool to meet you know some pe some local people and um i, I just kind of turned to them and i'm like what the hell is going on like i'm thinking l bernstein is like this upstanding citizen you know th th this boxing hall of famer a lister you know elite level top-notch boxing guy and he's getting high next to snoop dog what the hell am i watching you know but so <laughs> I thought of a few different things. First, there are going to be people out there that hate this concept. There are going to be people out there that don't want to see Al Bernstein getting high with Snoop Dogg and, and toasting. I think they were doing shots and stuff. I couldn't see exactly, but I saw Al Bernstein hold up a glass and like cheers. You guys could tell me if you were watching, but it, it almost looked like he was doing shots. I just be picturing Al Bernstein doing that. I was just, I was laughing my ass off. But uh, 
there will be there will be people out there, boxing purists, who look at that and say this is beneath the dignity of boxing. I can't stand this shit. They're, they're marketing to the lowest common denominator here. This is trash. And then there's going to be people on the other side that say this is awesome because people are swearing and cussing. It's all over the place. The commentary, these guys are yelling over each other. Snoop Dogg doesn't know what the hell he's talking about when it comes to boxing. Literally, when Pro Gray and Red Catch came out, that was the legit boxing fight on this card. Snoop Dogg said something to the effect of, man, I'm looking at both these guys' records. They're legit. He didn't know who the hell Regis Pro Gray was. If you're a boxing commentator, even like a part-timer like Snoop, you should know who Regis Pro Gray is. So, like, you got a complete casual like that calling the fights, and he doesn't know what he's seeing. He was just yelling shit. He was yelling at the fighters, especially during the Pro Gray Red Catch fight, yelling at the ref making fun of the fighters, making fun of the ref. And like, no one, Ray Flores was the one guy trying to like reel some of that in. He really tried to reel Oscar in when Oscar was going off. If you took this commentary and put it on any other platform, these dudes would all be fired, except for Mario Lopez and Ray Flores. They were the two guys that I thought kept it real professional and kind of kept reining everybody else in. But if I said half the shit, Snoop, or any of the other guys were saying, or did, or was just showed up ringside, annihilated, shit-faced out of my mind. There'd be those people on Twitter trying to cancel my ass. So there is that element. Now, did any of this offend me? No, I laughed my ass off. I think Triller isn't trying to go for what Top Rank on ESPN's doing, or Matchroom on the Zone, or PBC on Fox. They're not going for that. They're going for a completely different thing. And it's supposed to be like in your face, no holes barred, extreme boxing content, right? That's really on a concert. And then they're doing some boxing on the side. And you're going to get some slap boxing. And you're going to get all kinds of other crazy, weird skits and stuff that they were doing in the middle of all this. So I think they're just, think of when you were 20 years old, those of you who went to college, because I hear stories, I didn't go. But those of you who are 20 years old, hanging out in your dorm room on the weekend, partying, drinking something, smoking something, hanging out with your boys, broke as shit, so you don't have no money to go out and do anything, but you all pool your money together and buy this pay-per-view. And you sit around and just watch the variety platter that you're going to get of craziness, and you laugh your ass off at Snoop's commentary, and you you laugh at some of the fights, you enjoy the concerts, you, you, know, you either hate on the artist or you love the artist, whatever. That's what this was. This was Saturday Night Live on pay-per-view. That's what the hell this shit was. So again, I'm not saying that in a good way or a bad way. I think that there's absolutely a market for this, and I think it's going to do well. Uh, let's see. What else can I talk about? Um, yeah, just, I'm just looking at my notes here. And I, again, I think the main point here is some will love it, some will hate it. But there is a market for this. There truly is. And I think that they're proving that with uh, – with the sales so far. Now, here's what I want to see. Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones. That went through the roof, right? Can Jake Paul carry a pay-per-view like this on his own? Because this was basically Jake Paul carrying this show. Guys, if this gets 1.5 or something million pay-per-view buys, that's more pay-per-view buys combined than every PBC pay-per-view in the last year and a half. And um, well, if, if we're doing, if we're including Wilder Fury too, that was a top rank pay per view as well. So every American, I tweeted about this. You take every American pay per view in 2020 
and 2021, you combine them together, this show likely outsold it. Now, it was only 50 bucks instead of $80. So maybe it didn't, and it didn't have fans. Okay, no casino buy-in, you know, none of that stuff. So maybe it doesn't generate as much money. But in terms of eyes, people buying this shit, because if 1.5 million bought it, how many illegally streamed it? I mean, the numbers start to go crazy. What does this mean for boxing? There are going to be people out there that say, well, this means boxing is in the toilet. There's going to be people out there that say, well, this is good for boxing. It's bringing eyes to the sport. But then those cynics will say, yeah, but the eyes to the sport are watching a YouTuber knock out a guy who clearly doesn't know what he's doing on his feet. Ben Askren. I'll talk about him in a second, too, because his cockiness really cost him here and his ignorance. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Um, but man, oh, man, this was. Uh, oh, Joe Surratt on the chat. What's up, Joe? How you doing, man? Hope everything's well with you. Carlos Cabrera on the chat. What's up, man? Finally able to catch a live show, he says. Glad you guys are all here listening to my rant. Uh, Zach D on the chat says, that shit is corny. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of people who do not get it. Midwest Boxing says, imagine mud wrestling with two Instagram thoughts. You know what, dude? They'll probably put that on Triller at some point because people will watch it. That's what this is going to be. Gail says, it's all about expectations. I knew it would be exactly the out-of-control party it was with a little boxing. My friends and I laughed our asses off. As long as no one gets hurt, what's the harm? Yeah, I think that's pretty much the point, Gail. I I mean, again, I'll go back to Al Bernstein and and guys like that. Um, Normally, they're conducting themselves a certain way. But on this platform, they were letting it rip. And there was a couple times where I thought Snoop just went too far when you're yelling at, when you're making fun of the fighters and yelling at the fighters and yelling at the ref, like no good, no bueno. And I thought that, of course, Oscar went over the top and showed his ass too much. Other than that, though, that, that's what this show is going to be. It's going to be fun, wackiness, craziness. Now, anyone who's watching this and they're and they come to me and say, "Oh, I love boxing, dude. I got that Jake Paul pay per view. Now that's boxing." I'm going to say, "Well, that's really not boxing." but I'm glad you enjoyed it. You know, that's going to be my point. But, um, well, oh, let's see here. We got a couple more comments I want to hit on before I keep going. Sports Talk with Troy says, thanks for the insight on the event. And Chris Bergen says, uh, it's it's fun and it's bringing in new viewers, so why not? Would love to see Tommy Fury versus Jake Paul just to see Paul's ass knocked out. Yeah, I've talked about that. And that's the thing with Jake Paul. Um you know, at what point does he fight an actual boxer? Because right now he can keep kind of milking it with these guys that he's fighting. John Uden says, Triller is going to provide real-life MTV celebrity death matches. Yeah, that's pretty much – dude, John always has the best comments. You, Some of you guys out there are probably too young to remember MTV celebrity death match, but they would, like, do claymation puppets or whatever of celebrities and have them fight. And it was it was just you know make make believe, but it was supposed to be funny and silly, and it was insane. And this show went on for a while. That's probably what this is going to kind of be a version of. That's what they're going for. Gail Falkenthal says Jake Paul versus Chavez Jr. The only fight to make. Yeah, I could see that. Um, a lot of people have talked about that. Since John's on the chat here, John asked me a question earlier, guys, uh, that I wanted to get to, somewhat unrelated. Then we'll get to the fight review, I promise, all right? And we'll start with the Triller show. But John asked me earlier, uh, with reports saying that it's just um, 
1,200 to 1,300 tickets available for Taylor versus Ramirez. Do you think Top Rank regrets holding the fight in Las Vegas? So obviously I can't speak for Top Rank, but um, I will say that I think they have grossly mishandled the fight between Taylor and Ramirez. Completely jacked that up. I don't know for sure, but my guess, my hunch is they put it in Vegas because they knew they'd get a casino buy-in. They could get the fighters paid because of that. They could bring in high rollers. They could gouge for tickets. Uh, they'll have some cheap ones, but they were going to you know, charge, get the whales in there, the high rollers, the packages. That all comes from the casino. And then you could do packages with the British fans, the UK fans coming over. Um, Top Rank has done that sort of thing. I mean, most promoters have where – you could buy a ticket, but also there's a whole package where it's your flight, it's your hotel, it's your ticket, and other entertainment options where you can see shows in town. Sometimes there's meal vouchers. Like all this stuff can be included in these travel tickets. If you go to see a fight like in Macau or you go to travel from the UK to uh, come to Vegas. you know, So so there are different packages like that. And I think, I, I I'm guessing here, that's what they were going for with this. But it's just been a complete cluster. And I think that, I mean, Matchroom is crushing it right now. They have shows all over the country, and they're going where the action is. I think they have one in Vegas coming up, too, that they are, they're already promoting. But, um, yeah, dude, I just think Top Ranks mishandled it. And if they, if they, uh, if they don't get in any more than a few thousand uh, fans in attendance there in Vegas, then what the hell was this all about? What was the point? I just don't understand it. This is a big fight, an important fight. And you could have put this out in Texas – and I get it. Uh, maybe that putting it on a Texas would favor Ramirez. It, it would. Vegas is slightly more neutral because uh, fans from his part of the world travel to Vegas a lot. But, man, put it somewhere, dude, where you can actually open it up and market it and promote it. I'm really expecting top rank toward the end of this month into the beginning of May to start promoting the hell out of that event. All right, let's go to the review, guys. Let me uh, go over here to my banners. Let me change my banner here. There we go. Yeah, let's do the fight review. Saturday, April 17th, we had a few different cards. We'll start here in Hotlanta, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Triller Pay-Per-View. I covered this event for ringtv.com. Posted two pieces that night. Make sure that you guys check them out. Uh, one of them was, of course, on the main event. One of them was on the co-main with complete undercard results. Uh, I should also also mention that uh, when I was doing my Montero on Triller review, I left out a few things. Uh, one thing, because this was a concert and there were so many musical acts, the, the main event, I want to say it started at like 1. I, I really think it started somewhere around 1 o'clock. It only lasted five seconds practically so it was over before it began but it was so uh late i didn't get home till after two o'clock and i live here you know what i'm saying it's not like i had to travel anywhere so i didn't get home till after two o'clock to cover this event that's crazy and so i just i, I felt like i should mention that also i want to talk a little bit about jake paul um, so, well, let, let's go into the fight real quick. Jake Paul improves to 3-0, 24 years old, of course, out of Cleveland, Ohio, now based in California. TKO one win against Ben Askren. This was an eight-round cruiserweight fight. And Askren thought, so I've talked to a few people related to the situation. 
I've been told by a couple people that Askren and his people kind of had an attitude coming into this fight that fighting is fighting. And I'm the real fighter here. All Jake Paul is, he's only a boxer. And I use those words, only a boxer, because I keep seeing this. And I do not want to turn this into an MMA versus boxing thing, because that is a dead horse that I do not want to beat. All right. But I've been seeing a lot of MMA fans and even professional MMA fighters. One of them I had to call out and put his tweet on blast, tweeting stuff like, oh, well, if he went into a cage, but. Guys, this is a boxing match, number one. So it's not in a cage. So you don't need to feel so insecure that Ben Askren got knocked out in a boxing match. It's okay. Uh, Ben Askren would probably get knocked out against MMA guys, and they don't throw the best punches. He's never been known as a stand-up guy with a lot of stand-up. He's he's a a great wrestler, right? That is what he excelled at. He, He competed at a very high level as a wrestler. And in MMA, he won, I think, a Bellator championship and one other championship, I do believe, never a UFC championship because he was a little older by the time he went over there, but a highly accomplished fighter. And so he came into this thinking, this dude's only a boxer. Boxing's 90% hands. All I got to do is watch the punches. And this dude was walking around with his hands like this. I mean, I don't know what the hell he was thinking, but... I've been told by people close to the situation that their attitude was, this dude's a punk. I'm the real fighter. MMA is real fighting. Boxing is not fighting. And I've seen these comments and I've heard these comments from several different uh, entities. All right. What happened was Ben Askren was ignorant to the fact that boxing's 90% footwork. It's not hands count. Okay. Your hands in boxing are your bullets, your gun is your feet. Your weapon is your feet. Your feet are what set up the angles, the spacing, all of it to shoot your bullets. And all Jake Paul did, honestly, he jabbed down to the body, which was smart. He got Ben thinking about the body shots. He winged a couple of wild right hands, really, really wide, right? And Askren saw him coming from last Tuesday, and he was able to barely slip him, barely slip him, but he slipped him. After throwing three wild-ass right-hand haymakers that were really, really wide, all Jake did was find his distance, get the right angle, and throw a one-two right down the middle because Ben was looking for that wide right hand. And he didn't have the reflexes or the nuance and understanding or the capability to slip a straight punch like that. Boom, splash, knockout. So I've seen a lot of people in the UFC, or I should say the MMA community, shitting all over this event and saying it was a setup, it was staged, kind of pulling the equivalent of the Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, Glovegate shit that we have in boxing. I've seen YouTube videos about this. I've seen tweets about it. I commented on one of these videos today, and it was a huge mistake because I a bunch of these fans shit down my throat on the comment, just went nuts because I commented, look, clearly this guy does not know how to defend himself from punches. He's not used to fighting people that know how to throw a punch the right way. And I didn't, you know, if you put him in a cage or you put him in a wrestling match, this dude would smoke Jake Paul. And Jake Paul's not even a boxer. That's the crazy part. I'm talking about him like he's Terrence Crawford or something. He's not. Let's be clear. Jake Paul could not beat a top 100 ranked cruiserweight right now. Maybe he'll get to that point. 
but he's not there right now. Okay. Even the right hand he knocked Ben Askren out with was telegraphed. Any, any rated boxer would have seen that shot coming and at least just covered up and, 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 uh, you know, or parried it, something like that, even if they couldn't slip it. So he, he's improved, but he's, we're talking about him and all the, the, the fallout I've seen on social media is talking about him like he's this elite high level boxer. He's a guy that picked up boxing two years ago. And to date, he's fought an NBA player and a retired MMA fighter who is never a good striker, who is known as a wrestler. So he hasn't fought anybody that knows how to defend against punches, against somebody who actually knows how to set up punches. So he's impressed. And I wrote in my article that we have learned a few different things about Jake Paul. Number one, he does have legitimate star power. He does bring in viewership numbers. He does bring in money, sponsors, you name it. The guy's a name. He has tens of millions of social media followers, okay? He has a bigger social media presence than any boxer on earth, except maybe for Mike Tyson and Floyd Mayweather and globally, maybe Manny Pacquiao, okay? I'm talking not just social media, but media in general, all right? But social media-wise, he's probably bigger than all three of those guys too. He has a bigger social media platform and where is where does streaming live, guys? Social media. It lives on apps. That's where you stream things, right? And that's where Jake Paul lives. That's his space. He's one of the biggest stars on earth in that space. So there's that. Number two, he takes training seriously. He actually trains hard. He's shown improvement. Yeah, he plays up the camera. He makes up shit. He's, he claims he has brain damage from boxing, which is ridiculous. He, he, he's... He does certain things to get media reaction, okay? He's kind of a Donald Trump in that sense. So you have to ignore all that noise. But when the cameras are off, he actually trains pretty seriously. And I've talked to a few people who've been around him in the gyms, and they say he takes it real serious. So you got to give him that much respect. Most of these YouTuber guys, they do one fight, and that's it. Have we seen KSI fight again? Most of these guys don't fight again, right? Paul's fought a few times. And third... There is some power in that right hand. I got to say it. Yes, he knocked out two novices. Ben Askren was a novice. Nate Robinson was a novice. I can't even remember who the hell he fought the first time, what the dude's name was. He was a novice. So he's knocked out novices. But there's some power in that right hand. There, there, there really is. Um, so now he's 3-0, and three knockouts. Let's see here. Um, I, do, I see a lot of people that were hating on this event. And let me be clear. I went to this event because I wanted to see the circus. Because I don't want to shit on something unless I actually go check it out. And I knew that it would be something very unique and different. And so I'm glad I went. Um, would I cover this at the same show again? I don't know about that. The one thing about Triller that I've noticed is Triller, I mean, I would say the overwhelming majority of their budget is going to TV production. And then, of course, they're paying the talent. And I guarantee you they paid the talent, the, the music acts more than they paid the fighters Saturday night. So more money is being spent on the production, setting up the concert and all that and paying the artists than is being spent on boxing. A very small part of the budget is going to boxing. Now paying the fighters. Sure. I mean, they, they grossly overpaid for Lopez Cambosis, but there was supposed to be, I think Tyson Holyfield was supposed to be on that card and that fell through. But anyway, they're not spending any damn money on the fans. And they're not spending any damn money on the media. There are other media platform or other uh, boxing platforms that spend a lot of money 
bringing fans in and doing things for fans. And they spend a lot of money on media, a ton of money on media, all sorts of different media events. And Triller's not really doing that. I talked earlier how they had uh, this golden ticket, the golden ticket winners and that. Okay, yeah, they spent some money there. They spent some money on media. But compared to a lot of other platforms, promoters, they spend much, much more on those sorts of things, especially with media. So Triller definitely has a business plan in mind. And what I would tell you guys is, for those of you who can't stand it, who hate it, that's fine. But you're entitled to that. But get used to it because they're not going away. They just acquired Fight TV. That's a platform where you stream pay-per-views and stuff like that. Um, they are – another thing I noticed here too, they do most of their promotion on social media, on YouTube, on Twitter, on Instagram, TikTok, things like that, right? That's where they're doing a lot of their promotion. There's some TV commercials and stuff, but man, I still see boxing promoters doing billboards and shit. I remember driving around LA seeing billboards for fights and billboards, you know, they still work or whatever, but dude, that, that shit's from the 19, maybe even 1800s billboards. Okay. These guys are just marketing. The majority of their marketing is on social media and streaming platforms because that's what Triller is. And then they just got Fight TV, like I said. So they're going to be around for a while. I will say this. If you bought one of these Triller events and you were like, eh, it wasn't my thing. I'm never going to buy it again. You have plenty of room to diss. I understand, right? You, you can be a critic. You put your money where your mouth is. Okay, it wasn't your thing. Cool. If you're one of these people that's like, this, this doesn't seem like my thing. I'm never going to watch it. Cool, I get that. But if you're one of these people that buys every one of these shows or streams illegally, every one of these shows watches every damn fight, and then you're on Twitter dissing it, or you're on YouTube making videos dissing the hell out of it, you're basically the equivalent of that dude who watches a porn star and jerks off to a porn star all the time, and then you're on Twitter dissing her, saying, you know, I bet your parents are proud, whore, you know, then later that night, oh, she's so hot, oh, you know, like, you're that dude. Don't be that dude. Pick a side. All right. And be consistent. That's all I'm saying. All right. On the undercard, Regis Progray improved to 25 and 1 with a TKO6 win over Ivan Redcatch. It has officially been turned into a TKO6 win by the Georgia Commission. It was originally a technical decision win. Uh, this was a battle of Southpaws and uh, Boxrec updated the official results. So, Ivan Redcatch. This fight became one side after about two or three rounds. It was getting touched up. Program was getting closer and closer. And it looked like, it looked like Program lands a low blow. Now, I got to tell you, I wasn't ringside, right? They had us off the ring. They had us in the lower bowl. But I could still tell from there. I remember telling the guys on press row next to me, man, that wasn't a low blow. That shit looked legal. It looked to me like he hit him. Right in the side, like right in the kidney, a good old kidney shot behind the guard. That's what that's what I saw. But at first, okay, maybe it's a low blow. Let's check the replay. Then they show the replay. Red catch, by the way, goes down, takes a knee, immediately responds to this punch, takes a knee, then gets on his back and starts writhing in pain to the point where he is carried out of the ring on a stretcher. All right. Carried out on the ring on a stretcher. <clears throat> they show the replay several times. And it's clear not only was the was Progray's glove, it was his right glove, above well above the the uh 
the belt line, well above, but it wasn't even a punch that landed. Maybe it kind of did, but it was glancing. He, he His glove pretty much slid off of the left side of Red Catch's body. And Red Catch, and then so, okay, the, the punch was on Red Catch's left, and the referee was on Red Catch's right. So the referee was not in position to see the shot at all, okay? So immediately, Red Catch goes down. Boom. The, the ref buys it. So uh, you can't really blame the ref because, again, you can't see. But this is why every commission needs instant replay because literally they're playing it on loop. They're replaying the, this sequence, right? And Snoop Dogg is yelling at Progray. He's like, that's a knockout. I can't remember exactly what he's saying. But he was yelling at Progray, dissing Red Catch, and yelling at the ref. Like, right there. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it was kind of crazy to see this. And everyone there could see that this was clearly not a low blow. The referee, if there was instant replay, the referee could have, even if there wasn't, the referee, somebody there, a commission official, somebody should have walked over to Red Cash and said, it wasn't a low blow. You're going to lose by knockout. And if he continued doing the act and said, I, I can't breathe, I'm hurt, you know, whatever. Okay, then you go through with all the medical protocol, which they did. Georgia Commission deserves credit because this guy was saying he was hurt and they were saying, hey, let's, let's err on the side of caution. They put him on a stretcher. They got him out of there. There are other commissions in recent years where there was guys who didn't look that hurt, right? And the commission responded slowly, didn't get them out of the building very quickly, and these guys died. So I would rather see the commission err on the side of caution. So let's give the Georgia commission some credit here. However, this should have never been counted as a technical decision. It should have immediately been changed to a TKO 6 and or retirement six, you know, RTD six, whatever, however you want to put it. And Red Cat should have been made aware of that before they wheeled him out of the ring. Like, hey, it wasn't a low blow. We know, you know, it looks like you're faking this. We're going to medevac you. We're going to take you to the hospital to get checked out. But we, the punch didn't land and it wasn't low. So you're going to lose by knockout. You're forfeiting. I want you to understand that before they take him out. To take him out and not communicate that to him, I don't think that was fair even though he was cheating and trying to cheat um it just it could have been handled better but again i will always give credit to a commission for erring on the side of caution now as for ivan redcatch this isn't the first time he's pulled some shit like this he bit danny garcia in a fight and was suspended for it so this guy has pulled a couple of moves and i like ivan for the most part um we follow each other on social media and he's a funny guy you know and i respect him as a fighter but, dude, like, you, you can't bite your opponent. You got suspended for that. You say you learned your lesson, and now you're faking a low blow when everyone there, dude, we have instant replay. Just because the ref doesn't doesn't mean the rest of us don't. This is going to be very difficult for Ivan Redcatch to live down. And, you know, he, I think he, he's moved up in weight a few times. He's fought from, like, I think 135 to 147. He was best at 135. And correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I think he's fought in three different divisions. I know he fought Garcia at 47. And, of course, this fight was at 40. But um, he's always been willing to fight anybody. He's one of those guys that will fight anybody. But he, tr he tried to – I hate using this term because I think it's used too often. But I'll say it here. It looked to me like he was looking for a way out of the fight. He was quitting here. This was a quit job. Now, I will take all this back. If somehow he provides some medical documentation, maybe there was a freak injury, maybe some an organ burst 
uh, you know, and, and something happened that we can't see. Maybe. Okay. But if you don't show that sort of documentation, then this was pretty much a quick job, dude. And it's going to be really hard for you to live this down real hard. Let's jump over to a call real quick, guys. Uh, looks like we got a UK caller on. So let's jump over here. Uh, let's see. 4477, you're on the show. Go. How you doing, Mike? It's uh, Nigel from Nottingham in the UK. How you doing? Yeah. Nigel, what's up, my man? So your kids uh, are staying I'm asleep. Good. They're they're letting you uh, letting you get away and watch the show. Michael, huh? I see man, I'm I'm in the kitchen with the baby monitor, staring at it, and I'm like, "Don't you be there?" With it? <laughs> <Seriously>. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Um, main reason I'm calling in is um, it's about. I know you probably haven't covered it yet. I want to talk about the um, the Andre Williams fight. So I don't want to, you know going too much into it because that was the you know what I mean so but anyway um, I was thinking today so after watching the fight Andre's skill set reminds me of a James DeGale in the fact that you see the flashes are brilliant but they're not consistent but James DeGale does have the better resume you know what I mean yeah so yeah do you know what I mean and I'm like I think that's a legit comparison yeah yeah, I was, yeah, thinking about it, it's like, hmm, I see it's cool, because, do you know what I mean, at the beginning of the fight, where Andre looked like he was going to stop Liam Williams, I was like, you look good, but then I'm like, he did this before in his, <laughs> you know, previous fight, so I was like, yeah. in the middle rounds, I'll switch off, do you know what I mean, and I'm like, ah, okay, here we go, kind of thing, but um, Williams, I hopefully surprised a lot of people with how durable and how ridiculously tough he was, Um I have to admit, um, I have seen him fight better with a bit more skill, a bit more now, because it concerned me how he was not, there's hardly any head movement, and he mm-hmm. kept eating that rib uppercut over and over and over again. And yeah. Like, I mean, you know what I mean? It was like, you think at one part, like, at one point, he could have even did like a cross guard. He could have did the old school, like, cross guard. To just catch that uppercut yeah, like and pull Moore, it down or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, a bit like Archie Moore to Ken Norton with the cross guard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's what I think is something like that. When but, you got um, a guy, because Andre was telegraphing it. Andre was, was throwing that shot yeah. from the outside, winding up on it. When you got a guy doing that, cross guard yeah. and shoot over the top, or, you know, cross guard and push him back with your exactly. forearm, something yeah. like that. And then you got a right hand to throw. Yeah. Uh, but just no adjustment at all. You're right. Not at all, because at the end of the fight, he was getting more tired, whatnot. He, I could see him dip, and it's like, it's coming. Surely, I mean, Dom, I'm sure Dom Ingle could see it, and it's like, Liam, you've got to see it, man. He, 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 yeah. He's going to do it. Oh, they, and, and no adjustments at all, but that was a pretty good fight. It really was. And um, yeah, so I have to admit, I want to see um, Andre against either Charlo or Triple G. Yeah, I completely agree I with you. Yeah, I tweeted. So after the fight, I immediately tweeted, there's zero reason why we can't see Andre and Charlo by the end of the year. And I did not include Triple G in that because I honestly don't believe Triple G is interested in taking on a fight like that. I'm starting to think Triple G is just checked out, man. I hope I'm proven wrong. But Mm, Charlo really, really needs a dance partner. With Golovkin, that that third fight with Canelo is still possible, you know, and that's a huge payday. Yeah. He might still get that. 
So, but for Charlo and Andre, they really need each other. And Eddie Hearn said, yeah. we're, we're willing to go over to Fox. We'll come over to Fox if they even got to be on the zone. So what's the excuse now? Yeah. I mean, just, just do the fight. Yeah. Do it in December or something. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, um, I've noticed as well recently with regards to the zone's presence on Twitter, for example, that they're showing highlights of um, different promotions. I mean, they showed yeah. that highlight of FAA Jagbers knockout recently. And, and I'm like, oh, okay. So that's kind of, Probably reading too much into it, but probably just saying, you know, we're willing to work with others. Look at what we're, you know what I mean? And yeah, yeah, I, I, 100%. 100%. I think that's refreshing. Yeah. They're the only platform that does that consistently. Mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and the one, and then there's a, and, um, another thing I wanted to touch on with a goal like, you, you've already mentioned it about the Jake Paul and Ben Askren thing. And, I can, I mean, because during the, during the telecast, which was awesome, I think Snoop Dogg should go on the zone, replace Shirley O'Mara. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Give him all the weed and anything. Yeah, let him do whatever yeah, he wants, yeah. right? Exactly, yeah. Um, but I have to admit, um, Jake Paul, he, from, from the first fight he's on to now, you can see the improvement and yep. there's some ability there, most definitely. There really, really is a, the, the uproar from other people like you've touched on already about um, wanting to get a real fighter and someone and that's the thing they're, they're deputies to fight pizza boys cab drivers you know what I mean and yep. similar, you know what I mean and um, it's true they're doing the same and they don't and they don't meet the uh, same kind of criticism that Jake Paul does it's just that because you know obviously he's getting paid more than most and there is that but there's so many nuances that are being ignored with regard to the criticism. People just wanting to just bend their anger, not really thinking about what they're really saying, I think, you know? Yeah, I th- there's, there's a lot of misplaced anger here, Nigel, and I think that people have short memories. I mean, boxing has always had sideshows like this, and it's, it's not just boxing. I mean, yeah. basketball has celebrity basketball games and, and baseball, yeah. and there's... Um, you know, charity games and stuff like that. Like it's part of yeah. sports. The only difference it, here's where I think some of the criticism is warranted, but it's misplaced. Uh, the only difference is that in boxing, the best are not fighting the best right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. consistently enough. And that's why these sideshows are getting so much attention, but it, let's say exactly, let, yeah. if Spence and Crawford were fighting this year, and let's say it was they were having their rematch this year. Let's say they fought for the first time in 2019, and this year was their rematch. And we were getting fights like that consistently. No one would give a shit that Tyson Jones did millions of pay-per-view buys. People would be like, well, good for them. No one would give a shit that Jake Paul's yeah. doing millions of pay-per-views. It'd be like, good for him because it'd be seen as, yeah. I don't know, like a side dish to boxing. But right now, these shows yeah. are outperforming the fighters because the fighters aren't fighting anybody. That's on them. It's not on Jake yeah. Paul. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like um, it's, a, it's a bit, kind of an indictment on the top levels of uh, the guys that you know at yeah. the higher echelons of the sport. You know what I mean? It's like he's he's like you say, he's got massive presence online and he's making all you know making all this money and he's gaining, garnering all this attention. And what are you doing apart from jumping on Twitter, talking shit? I want to see you put pen to paper. You know what I mean? Willing to risk it all. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, you know, and, and, and so be it. That's what I want to see, you know, because I don't care about 
how much money they're getting paid to start on the third. All I care about is who you fought and who have you beat. That's it. Pretty much. Well, you know what I mean? It's quite rudimentary what I'm saying. But that's no, what, what you're saying, I, I, Nigel, I, I think your voice is the voice of true diehard boxing fans. There are fanagers out there that actually argue over pay-per-view buys and purse amounts and all yeah. this bullshit, and they are—they don't realize they're part of the problem. They're enabling this shit to happen. Yeah. So when those same people yeah. bitch at Jake Paul, that's when I take issue because I'm like, yeah. you guys are causing this this freaking problem. You're Jake Paul yeah. is a uh, what's what's the word? He's like a side effect of this. He's not the cause. Yeah. He, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and even now with this telephone call and obviously with um since the fight, we're talking about him. So therefore whatever he's doing, whatever his team are doing is working. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he's yeah. gonna be a constant for a while, so you know what I mean? So definitely, yeah. So I agree with everything that you're saying with regards to him anyway. Yeah. All right, okay, one second, I think he's no he's gonna sleep. I thought he moved. He's fine. He's better. <laughs> One more thing I want to touch on, and I'll let you go. Okay. Right, um, with regards to the heavyweight division right now, I have to say it's kind of going the way of the welterweight division at the moment, where it's like, well, nothing much is going on. Why should I be interested? You know, even though the top two guys are Brit, but nothing is happening. It's like the whole heavyweight division is on hold waiting for the final decision and announcement to be made, despite the Ruiz Areola fight that's taken place. But, do you know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, what are you doing? You're just sitting around and talking about, all, oh, you know, how, how bored you're getting and I want to move on, I want to move on. And nothing. Everything's so static at the moment. I'm like, oh. It's, a, it's really an incredibly frustrating time. It's just a really frustrating time. And I understand that COVID is – part of it yeah but these guys want to maximize the dollars it's always the dollars the dollars yeah. the dollars and i i understand that but at what point do you just say all right we could get 30 million if we wait 12 more months or we could get 25 million now take the 25 million and fight now <laughs> like i just yeah. want these guys to get in the damn ring man yeah definitely because it's, it's dragging on too much now it really really is you know um, so it's really frustrating. It really is. But anyway, um, I'm watching like um, the lights awake, like the superflies and more fights from the Far East. Like uh, when you had Asian boxing on um, a few months ago, watching loads of you know fights that he's recommended and stuff. So there is some really yeah. good fights out there. I need to have There's him back on it, soon. So, we'll have him back on soon yeah. because uh, you're, you're right, man. That's where the action is right now. And um, mm. if you're not watching these guys at one fifteen, then you're missing out. You know there are fans out there that yeah. would yeah. would rather watch Ruiz Ariola to support a certain yeah. promotional platform than watch the Estrada and uh, Chocolatito rematch. And that that just doesn't make sense to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mike, I'm going to call it a night. It's always a pleasure talking to you, man. And, All right, brother. Uh, yeah. Have a good one, man. Take care, man. And, uh, yeah, I'll buy the, uh, great show, man. You keep up the good work as always, man. Thank you, sir. All right. Take care. All right. There he goes, everyone. Nigel, good stuff.
All right, let's get uh, to to Nigel's point because he brought up the Andre Williams fight. Uh, Andre dropped Williams in the second round, right? And it looked like it might be an easy night of work for him. But then he kind of got like, I don't, there's just something missing in Demetrius Andre. There's just an element there that's missing. And maybe there's a fighter, like a really, really big challenge that can pull it out of him. Maybe there's something in him that we just haven't seen yet, but it's going to take somebody knocking him on his ass real hard or really hurting him or busting open a cut on him, really threatening him to pull it out. But I don't know. I just, he's 30 fights in. He's had multiple title defenses at 54 and 60, and we haven't seen it yet. I just think he's missing that extra ingredient because there are other guys pound for pound list level guys that if they had a fighter like Liam Williams hurt in the second round, probably would have put the pedal to the metal and found a way. And maybe it would have taken six, seven, eight rounds because Williams is so damn tough, so durable and has underrated, underrated, I guess I'd say skills. There's it's, it's a little rough around the edges, but he does some nifty little things in there to help him see the shot just enough to brace for it. He does some cute little things in there. Um, but there are guys out there that in that much. Look, man, prime Gennady Golovkin, he knocks out Liam Williams, right? Prime Gennady Golovkin knocked out guys higher than Liam Williams level. Golovkin was dissed for fighting guys like Martin Murray, Daniel Geel, those sorts of guys. But what did he do to them? Let's stick with Murray. He eventually stopped Murray and bludgeoned the guy to death, right? Beat him down. David Lemieux. Those guys are, uh, I'm sorry, at their best, a level above Liam Williams. No disrespect to him, but they they were. And Golovkin pulverized those guys and stopped them. Styles make fights. I get it. Andre, he just, I don't know, dude. He just isn't that guy. I still want to see him in there. If a fight between him and Golovkin could be made, I'd love to see it. And Golovkin needs to get his ass in the ring and fight. He's getting paid way too much money to not get in the ring and fight. But I think Andre versus Charlo is a better fight because they're both in the same generation. Golovkin's on his way out. Charlo and Andre are going to be around for a while. They're part of the current generation. I want to see them fight each other. Also on this card, Carlos Gagora improved to 20-0. He's a super middleweight out of Ecuador who now lives and fights out of Boston. Two straight legit uh, Ws for him, right? Um, He beat Akhmedov. And then uh, beat Christopher Pearson, uh, KO8 win past, this past weekend. And he's Christopher Pearson can fight. He's a legit fighter. Also, Andre Fedosov scoring the big upset. KO1 win over Mak, Ma, uh, Muhammad Rasul Majidov. And I talked about Majidov last week in the preview. 3-0. Uh, this guy, 34 years old, out of Azerbaijan, 2012 and 2016 Olympics, 2011 and 2013 world amateur champ. Fought in the World Series of Boxing. So um, he, he's you know a legit dude. A lot of credentials there. And a lot of people were taking a good, hard look at him. But Fedosov, coming off a two-and-a-half-year break, comes in here. Early on, it looked like Majinov was touching him up. But he landed a hard one-two. And it landed flush. And uh, Majinov fell backwards awkwardly in his right ankle. It looked like it just broke. Like, I think he snapped his leg. That's what it looked like. It looked really, really graphic. When you have these long amateur careers, sometimes it can wear you out. And uh, these guys that go pro late after several Olympics and all these world championships, sometimes it costs them. And I think that's, uh, I don't know, if Majidov, 
this is going to be tough to recover from, man. Real tough. All right, real quick, guys. Um, PBC on Fox in Los Angeles. Tony Harrison split draw with Bryant, Bryant Perella. A lot of people thought that Perella, who was moving up in weight, won this fight. It was very, very close. Uh, one of the judges had this way too wide for Harrison, though. I think I can't remember the exact score. Correct me if I'm wrong. I want to say it was like 117, 111, something like that. That's crazy. Neither one of these guys won more than seven rounds. No freaking way. This was a close fight. Copy box numbers because I know you guys love them. Perella landed 150 punches out of 692, 22%. Harrison landed 138 out of 453 for 31%. So Harrison, less active, more accurate. Also, Harrison landed double the amount of jabs, but Perello landed more body punches. Um, I'm sorry, power punches, including body punches. So this goes back to the old debate. Do you prefer the stylist out jabbing one opponent, being more accurate, being more selective with his punches? Or do you prefer the guy who's volume punching, just working and throwing power shots, hurt blows? This is professional boxing. Which one do you prefer? Um, to me, this was pretty much an even fight. So this, some real quick hard truth on Tony Harrison. Because this relates to Jermel Charlo, all right? And the pound-for-pound argument for him. Some of you are not going to like what I'm about to say. But Harrison, stopped by Willie Nelson, Jarrett Hurd, of course, Charlo. And then we just had this draw with Perella. So Jermel Charlo, pound-for-pound argument. This guy went one-and-one with Tony Harrison, who I've always said is a five-round fighter. Elite-level fighter at five rounds. After five rounds, not elite anymore. And Charlo went one and one with him. Even if you thought the first fight, you scored it for Charlo, it was close. And even the rematch was close until the stoppage. So very, very close in terms of rounds with him. But also Jamel Charlo, you know, he a majority decision win over an old Austin Trout. And of course, he beat Jason Rosario in his last fight. That was a good win because of the hardware that came with it. But Jason Rosario, I think I really think is a one hit wonder. We'll find out. He's about to fight Erickson Lubin. Maybe I'll be proven wrong this summer. And then I'll, I'll own that. But then also, I'm thinking, man, Jermel Charlo's best win is Vanas Mondorosian in 2015. Guys, that was six years ago. So there are a lot of people out there mad at Ring Magazine because we don't have Charlo way up on the pound-for-pound pound list. There are some people out there that have Jermel Charlo in their top five. I saw a guy's list the other day that had him at number three. That is premature. You guys are crazy, and you're basing that 100% on the eye test. Look at the damn resume right now josh taylor and jose carlos ramirez in my opinion have fought and beat higher levels of fighter than jermel charlo has i respect what jermel charlo is doing for cleaning out the 154 division and let me be clear about this if he beats brian castano and i fully expect him to do that he will be on my pound for pound list at that point in the top 10 top five probably not but definitely top 10 but the winner of the Taylor Ramirez fight will be way higher than Charlo. So both of those guys will have completely unified the division, right? The Taylor Ramirez winner and the Charlo uh, Castaño winner. Winner will be completely unified. But who will have fought the better opposition, particularly if Josh Taylor wins? Because he went through that tournament. He beat Progre, who I'm really super high on. Regis Progre is the third best at 140 right now. Might be the second best. He, he, he hasn't fought Ramirez. Maybe he could be, well, we'll find out in time, okay? But all I'm saying, guys, is 
sometimes it's about unifying a division and, and grabbing the belts. I rate that accomplishment highly. I respect that. So when Charlo does it, because he will be Castaño, he'll be on my top 10 list. But then you also have to look at who they're fighting. And his resume, it's not as great as people think. It's better than his brother Jamal's, but I don't put it up there against some other guys like Estrada, Chocolatito, Ioka. Those are guys that are on my pound-for-pound list above Jermel Charlo right now. And I take heat for it from, from some people out there, but they're not really looking at the particulars. They're not looking at the specifics. They're not looking at the resume. That's all I'm saying as it relates to, you know, talking about Harrison because that relates directly to Jamel Charlo. Uh, also on this card, Omar Juarez out of Texas improved to 11-0. He is a junior uh, welterweight prospect with a uni- uh, unanimous decision win and a 10-rounder. Nigerian-based or a Nigerian-born Houston-based heavyweight, Efetobar Apochi improved to 11-0 with a KO3 win. Got a couple of young, interesting heavyweights out of Nigeria right now. That's a good thing. These heavyweights out of Nigeria, I don't know what it is. They always seem to pack a hell of a punch. So we've got some guys coming up in the UK. We've got some guys from Nigeria coming up. We've got some guys from the United States coming up. And then, of course, we've got guys from Eastern Europe, Central Asia coming up. So we've got some interesting talent coming up right now in the heavyweight division. It's going to be very fun to see how this all shakes out over the next three to four years. Right now, it's Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua, of course. But three, four, five years down the line, it's going to be one of these dudes that's going to be the new guy. So it's going to be fun to watch them develop. Uh, Also on this card, upset special James Martin, majority decision win over Vito Melnecki, who is now 8-1, and took his first career loss. This was a welterweight fight. And the Barrientes twins get first-round stoppage wins. Uh, A lot of fights on this card. But real quick, man, um, Vito Melnecki lost a fight. People on Twitter were saying he was exposed. This, uh, he can't rebound from this. He lost a fight, guys. He's like 18, 19 years old. This isn't the same as what happened to Majidov, the heavyweight, where he literally broke a freaking ankle and he's in his mid-30s. This kid's, what, 18, 19 years old or something? He lost a, the competitive decision. He'll improve from this. He'll get better. Do I see a future world champion in Milnecki necessarily? I'm not saying that. I'm not going to say that right now. But this could actually make him a better fighter. Stop freaking out about losses so much they happen in boxing and sometimes they make you a better fighter lennox lewis would have never been the heavyweight he became if it weren't for those two losses never the lennox lewis that fought after those losses and was the legitimate heavyweight champion would destroy the young lennox lewis that was coming up and who was undefeated that's the truth and i can say that about a lot of fighters all right let's jump to another call real quick guys uh, let's see here. Five, seven, Oh, you're hey, on Mike. the show. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, man. That's a great point you had about the, about the losses there. And you could also say Vladimir Klitschko, the older Klitschko with Stewart would have destroyed the younger Vladimir Klitschko yep. as well. Absolutely. A lot of, a lot of fighters get better with age and with experience and by rebounding from losses and you become more accountable from a loss, you become a stronger fighter from a loss. It all depends on how, you know, your, your mental state is. I mean, a guy like Lennox and Vlad, they had strong mental capabilities. A guy like Wilder, you know, he just lost his marbles. Different kind of but, loss. Um, so you can make a case for both. <laughs> well, right. Yeah. They didn't get 
beaten, bludgeoned. I mean, Wilder's, he's a shot fighter right now. I'll say that on record. He's a shot fighter. He'll lose his first step-up uh, opponent in the top 10 the next time he fights. So whoever's mm-hmm. out there betting, bet against Wilder. The first time he fights a guy in the top 10, he's, he's done. Um, the, the Vito Maolecki fight. He was a 50-to-1 favorite. Yeah. And I couldn't believe it when I looked. I didn't bet, bet the fight, and I usually bet the fights, but I, I just saw his age, 18 years old, and he's fighting a, a grown man from Philadelphia. And, you know, <laughs> my old trainer said this to me once. He says, I'm taking you to this gym. You're going to have to fight like it's a real fight because these guys want to knock your block off. He's a white guy. They're <laughs> going to step up their game, and they're going to take shots. Yeah, and, you know, it's the truth. Malecki and his father should have known that going in there. If they're going to fight this guy, they have to know he's going to come with everything. He's going to be at his top form. Malecki wasn't ready for him. He's 18 years old. He, he doesn't even grow facial hair yet. And when you don't have your man strength and your mental man strength too, there's, there's such a thing as that. Mm-hmm. It's too much too soon. So yeah, all these guys writing him off, you know, hold the phone. That was just a bad matchup bad matchmaking and PBC boy, let me tell you, they don't know how to match fighters. They don't know how to develop fighters. I mean, either they're, they're giving them easy matches or they're overmatching them. It's, it's like not in between. Hmm. It seems like Eddie Hearn has that like on, like on lockdown, he could match a guy very well with it, with somebody, you know, who's going to give him a fight, let him know how to deal with the style, but not necessarily in there to kill you. PBC, it's like one extreme to the other. Boy, I, I just couldn't believe it. Um, I think you I know, know you were at the uh, the Atlanta fight. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I think that this could make him better, and you know they could come right back and do a rematch, and he could show improvement. I think that everyone just needs to relax. It's not like he got bludgeoned and knocked out, or thoroughly outboxed or outclassed. He was. I just think outworked and outgunned by an, a grown ass man, like you said. So. Uh, people and, yeah, and Otha Jones lost a fight this weekend too. That was another loss of a uh, a highly touted prospect. He can rebound from that too. It happens. It's okay. It does, and people, you know, they have to understand this. You know, that's why MMA is really great because you lose, it's okay. You know, you yeah. just get better from it, or you or you pack it in. Um, but what I was going to say was, I know you're at the Atlanta fight. I um, I know you probably didn't watch the uh, the, the zone fights, and well, so at least the Andrade fight, but. Um, it's the first time I watched Andrade fight um, live since he fought Martirosian on HBO. Wow. And the, the time he fought Martirosian, he got dropped in the first round. I mean, it was a bad fight the rest of the way. I kind of nodded off. And then I, I came to, you know, later in the fight, and it was a split, a split decision he won. I wasn't impressed then, and I'm not impressed now. He's the same exact fighter he was in the Martirosian fight. He hasn't improved one bit. He's an, he's like, he's stuck in the amateurs. He doesn't like to get hit. Like, it's just that simple. He's afraid to take a punch. He has nice power. He has nice length. He's a big middleweight. But if he just had some kind of moxie, some kind of bravery, and I know people don't like hearing that. Okay. But if he, if he was willing to go in there and take a couple punches, he could knock guys out, but he just doesn't have the mentality to be a fighter. He, Maybe he wants to, you know, be a runner, clincher, or what I call him is Andre Ward White. He fights really dirty. That was he took away half the fight by clinching and running. If there was he, a lot of clinching. It, he got about 
yeah, he fought about six rounds. And then the rest was clinching and running. I mean, even an older Golovkin right now, it doesn't even make sense for Golovkin to fight this guy. Golovkin wants to retire after fighting Murata or maybe one other big fight. Golovkin, I know a lot of people call him out for not wanting to fight, you know, these big fights now. But you know what? He said, screw boxing. Because boxing screwed him with the Canelo debacles. He's like, I'm just going to get mine now. I'm going to cash out. And I'm fine with that. I'm, I really am. They, they screwed him. So he's just like, you know what? The hell with this. I'm, I don't need it anymore. I'm going to fight Murata and, and make a, a billion dollars. But with Andrade, he should fight Charlo. There's no reason Charlo should be fighting Montiel. Montiel was yeah. a, an even betting. He was even betting odds against a shot uh, Kirkland. And I bet that fight. And, and he was even odds against a shot Kirkland. And he's fighting Charlo next. And, and I think he drew with Hugo Centino, a guy who Charlo blew up. That yes. fight has no business being made. Charlo can get out of that fight because Eddie Hearn just said, hey, we'll come over to Showtime. We'll come over to Fox. We'll fight. That, sh- that fight should be made. I mean, these are two American middleweights. They should fight. Uh, there's, there's no excuses for that. They both need each other because there's nobody else, really. It, it's just that simple. Yeah, and the winner of that but, fight but Andrade, is a unified uh, title holder. Uh, at that point, you're you're holding two titles. Um, depending on the ratings, yeah, you, you might be the lineal champion at that point because you know Canelo is at 168 now. So if it ends up being a number one versus number three situation, um, I don't think it would be. But I'm just saying. I mean, it'd be two of the top guys fighting. Winner has two titles you're more in the driver's seat at that point. Um, but it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen, bro. It's really crazy. I mean, I would like to see that fight. I, it would be like, uh, whoever wants to step it up and be a man wins that fight. If, I think both of them will be afraid to, 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 to take a punch. I think they'd like be circling each other the whole fight. Whoever stepped in with a shot would probably win the fight. And that's what be, would be the intrigue to me. Cause I really have no, ambition to see Andrade fight at all. I mean, he, his style is just terrible, terrible for, for professional boxing. Um, it, it's just how it is, you know, and, uh, you want to be a stylist, you want to be a runner, you want to be whatever you want to be, but Hey, don't expect the, uh, the ticket sales and don't expect pay-per-view because the fans aren't going to watch that. Guess what they did watch. They watched Jake Paul. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they watched Jake Paul over a million buys for that garbage. And I'll tell you, it's a strong marketing move because you have these MMA fans. Triller is smart. They're matching MMA guys with boxers because they know the MMA fight fans have money to spend. That's who's buying and, it. And, and they're not very, right? They're not very educated in, in boxing. Right. So they're just more or less fan, uh, fanboys. Thad, they and, thought, and their money up and they thought that Askren was going to win this fight. I can't tell you how many friends I have I that are MMA fans that thought Askren was going to beat Jake Paul's ass. It's insane to me. It's insane. Exactly. He's a wrestler. He's yeah. a wrestler. They, the only time, you know this. I don't know if you've ever sparred with one of these guys, but yeah, I used to spar some of these uh, wrestling guys, and uh, they don't stand right. And in MMA, when you're throwing punches, you're not always throwing from a uh, a stance where you can get full power. Because you can defend against takedowns and everything. Right. So it's a lot of arm punches in MMA. People mistake that saying, oh, well, he got hit with four ounce gloves and he took all those punches. None of these, these guys, they're, it, they're, 
boxing and MMA is like playing cricket and squash compared to Major League Baseball. Okay, it's it's you're throwing punches, but it's a completely different skill set. It's a completely different sport. And they took the odds down for that fight from my sports book. I couldn't bet the fight. They wouldn't let me bet it. At well, least. I don't know if anyone else, but. Twall, 1999 in the chat says Askren was the betting favorite before the weigh-in. I didn't know that. That's crazy if that's true. Well, I saw the odds. I saw the odds posted. I couldn't get lines anywhere. Huh. They pulled the fight. That's why I thought it was going to be, you know, something fishy was up. But I saw that knockout. It was a legit knockout. He he stiffened his legs. I mean, he oh, got yeah. He, he, he was, was hurt. <laughs> he, he, was, he was busted up. And the oh, ref took legs. a look. And that, yeah. He was about to get put to sleep. He, he got up, I mean, but the next big shot, yeah. he would have been. Oh, he was done. Yeah. Really obliterated. And, you know, it would have been good for TV, but that's a 40-some-year-old man. And, yeah. you know, he, you know, that was, that was a good stoppage. A lot of people yeah. called it a dive. He didn't take a dive. That, yeah, that's ridiculous. But, uh, but one final thing, a lot of these people poo-pooing Jake Paul, you know what? It's Floyd Mayweather. It's just Floyd Mayweather. He did the same thing, okay? He got all these fans to buy into hoping he loses. Yeah. So they buy the fight, hoping he loses, and, and he's making money off of it. And it's the same thing Floyd did. That was his whole shtick. Play the bad guy, get people to buy the fights, hoping to see him lose. That's exactly what Jake Paul's doing. And all these people are, are chastising him. Now, he's just playing the game just like Floyd played the game. Floyd paved this way for these guys. So if you want to blame somebody... Blame Floyd Mayweather. He made this possible with these crossover fights. So I, that, that was my, my parting gift to everybody. If you want to criticize Jake Paul, he's just getting his money, just like Floyd. So if you got something to say, you better chastise Floyd for it. <laughs> Dad, you're on the record, sir. Indeed. All right, man. All right. Have a good well, one, brother. You have a nice night. Thanks for the time. All right, thanks. We'll yeah, he, he makes a great point in the sense that <laughs> – Jake Paul is playing the bad guy and a lot of people, it was really, really smart when you think about it, guys, bringing on Ben Askren, bringing on the casual MMA fans that really thought he was going to win or really hoped he was going to win because it was a boxing versus MMA thing. And there's a lot of insecurity there, right? Uh, you saw some of the reaction. I talked about it earlier. Um, just people were so insecure about this fight. Uh, about the result that they made it seem like like it was a blow to all of MMA. No, it's not. It's not a blow to MMA at all. It was a boxing match. So like th- those those kind of c- comparisons are ridiculous. But um, there was a lot of these guys that bought that fight, hoping to see Jake Paul get his ass beat. You know, and I get it. Jake Paul acts like a douche on camera and stuff all the time. I think he's playing that stuff up for the camera. Maybe he really is a douche. I don't know. I've never met the guy, but. Um, by the way, John Newman in the chat says Askren was never the betting favorite. So, okay, just want to correct that and get that on the record. Uh, he says here, prior to the weigh-in, Paul was minus 200. Okay, so we want to get that on the record. So Paul was the betting favorite. But, okay, minus 200, that doesn't seem wide enough to me. Paul should have been a 25-to-1 favorite or something. He should have been a major favorite in this fight. The, the the level of disrespect that boxing gets and the level of ignorance among casual sports fans when it comes to boxing staggers me. I, I just it, it's amazing how clueless people are uh, about what boxing is. 
And boxing really has to blame itself for a lot of that. Boxing shoots itself in the foot constantly. But at the same time, damn, dude, how are the odds even that close? Just doesn't make no damn sense. Uh, Mandeli on the chat says, Montero, put Paul on the pound for pound list already. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, Zach D in the chat says, I truly thought Paul would get tired and the wrestler stamina would win out. Wrestler stamina only works if you could get in on the way in. If you're getting punched eh. and at first, you know, Asker tried to walk in a couple times and got slapped in the gut. And he was like, Whoa, I never felt a punch like this before. And it was just a jab from Paul. Paul was just jabbing him to the gut, but it was probably harder than any right hand he ever took in MMA. Let's be honest guys. And I would say the same damn thing if a boxer went into the MMA cage and, and got uh, wrestled to the ground and pinned and, and, and taken out, submitted. Obviously, the wrestler would have a massive advantage, and the boxer would be like, "What the hell is going on? I've never had someone tackle me to the ground and and you know put me in an arm bar. This is crazy." The first jab to the gut that Askren felt, he was like, "Whoa, I've never been hit like this before." And then literally the first. Right hand that landed. It's not like Paul landed five right hands and softened him up. It was one shot, guys. And it wasn't even his hardest punch. And that took that put him down. That shows you there's levels to this shit. And that's the one thing about UFC that they do that I, I appreciate. They call them strikes over there. They don't call them punches because they're not really punches. They are strikes. That's the proper way to put it. And that's not me hating at all. That's me just telling the damn truth. John Newman in the chat says the odds were not near wide enough, but the MMA community bet big on Askren because they perceived him as a real fighter. And that brings me to what I said earlier, John. There is a level of ignorance and arrogance. It's mostly with the old school MMA fighters, but they still talk about that. And I I left again. I'm going to briefly mention it again, guys. I left a comment on a YouTube video today where Ben Askren, it was an interview that he did today on a very, very popular it was actually a political channel, very, very popular political channel. And um, but th- the guy who runs it is a huge MMA dude, uh, big fan. And so we had Askren on. They were talking about it. And I commented on it. And I just said, look, this isn't a big deal. This is this shouldn't be so shocking. A guy that knows nothing about punching or how to defend against a punch from someone who knows somewhat how to punch got knocked out. So what? And I got blasted. Uh, in responses there because so many of these guys were so insecure. I'm like, dude, if a boxer went over to MMA and got submitted and tackled and and put in an arm bar or something in in 30 seconds, nobody in boxing would be saying like, nah, man, this shit's fixed. Oh, well get in a boxing. There might be a few guys saying shit like that, but there wouldn't be huge fallout like this. And I guarantee you this, boxing people wouldn't be betting for the boxer to win that fight. The odds would be wide as hell. Anyway, uh, I think we got another caller here. Yes, we do. It looks like we got another UK caller. Let's jump to this, guys, and then we'll do the fight preview, all right? Let me uh, get over here. All right, caller, you're on the show. How's it going, Mike? Chris Bergen. Chris, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, I'm really good. How are you? Good, man, chilling. Yeah. Uh, first thing I wanted to say was, how old was that referee in the uh, Jake Paul fight? I thought uh, Prince Philip had been resurrected or something. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> he was, yeah, I don't know who the hell that guy was. I have no idea. 
<laughs> I think he wanted an early early night. I think he was tired. He went to the bed. That's why he stopped yeah. the fight. But <laughs> that's a really good point, man. He probably he looked at Asuka and said, "You know what? Shit, let's get out of here. It's late." Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I no chance I was paying for that. But I, I saw that. I watched the highlights on YouTube, and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, the, the commentary was ridiculous. Oh God, say. Yeah. The commentary was absolutely outrageous. Like I, I only watched the highlights, <laughs> so I don't know what the whole thing was like. There was a video out there, Chris. I don't know. I can't remember who did it, but somebody took all of Oscar's commentary and did like a, 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 a mashup of it. It was hilarious. If you can find it, I highly recommend it. Very entertaining. <laughs> I'll check that out. Definitely. Um, but yeah, what I wanted to uh, ring and speak to you about, um, I finally got a, a Monday off work. I've been working Monday, so I finally got Monday off work, so I can finally ring you. Um, but yeah, I wanted to talk about the uh, Anthony Joshua Fury fight. Um, so I think it looks like it's going to be Saudi Arabia, but we'll we'll see. Um, but yeah, what I wanted to say was, I think um, everyone I speak to over here, they just seem to think that um, Tyson Fury is going to absolutely destroy Anthony Joshua and uh, it's a mismatch and all this. Part. And I think Andy, um, Andy Joshua deserves more, a lot more credit, to be honest. I agree. Um, because, you know, the guy's lost one fight. You know, it's the heavyweight division. Anyone can lose a fight in the heavyweight division. It's been, it's been seen over the years, you know. Muhammad Ali lost, was it five fights? I know. Probably two, three of them later on. Um, Lance Lewis got knocked out by Oliver McCall and Hassim Rackman, who were nowhere near on his level. You know, Klitschko knocked out by, what was he called? Ross Purity and Corey Sanders. People like that. So, you know, yeah, it can happen to anyone. And, um, you know, I do think that um, Anthony Joshua was, he was overhyped. Uh, um, you know, when people were saying, you know, he's the next Lennox Lewis and stuff. There's, o- there's only one Lennox Lewis. Um, but saying that, you know, AJ is an elite heavyweight, absolute elite heavyweight. And um, he's got a lot to his game, I think. Um, you know, you look at someone like uh, Deontay Wilder, who, you know, Fury absolutely destroyed in the last fight. And uh, he's a one-trick pony, really, Deontay Wilder. Right. You know, he's got the right hand, which is, you know, an unbelievable right hand. But um, AJ has has an incredible right hand as well. But um, he has a very underrated um, uppercut, Anthony Joshua. I mean, just ask uh, Klitschko. He's probably yeah. still recovering from that uppercut. Yeah. <laughs> About five years later. Yeah. <laughs> and he took his head off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's a lot closer fight than people people are saying. I think it's a fifty fifty fight personally. I completely um, agree. Completely I like, agree. Yeah. Yeah. I like both guys. Um Fury, so entertaining on the mic. Um, love to listen to Fury. Obviously he's from Manchester like me, so I like him. But I'm I I, I personally think that Anthony Joshua will, will knock Tyson Fury out. You know what? I know it's a bold statement, but I think he will. I don't think it's that bold of a statement, Chris. I mean, I, I don't know who I would pick yet, but I, first of all, I completely agree it's 50-50, and I completely agree that Joshua can knock Fury out because, as you mentioned, he has di- he has different levels. I mean, he he showed against yeah. – uh, 
uh, Ruiz in the rematch, but also at times against Vlad, at times against uh, Joseph Parker, that he can fight backing up. He can fight on the ropes. He can fight inside. He he has more than just the right hand. He actually has a good jab. He can go to the body. He can do a, a lot more than Deontay Wilder. So it's a completely different fight. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but have you noticed Tyson Fury is a lot slimmer than he was for the Wilder rematch? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he looks, he looks good, doesn't he? Well, he's he's preparing for a long fight because he knows that this is probably yeah, going yeah. the distance. So he, he's preparing for a yeah. completely different fight against Joshua. You can tell. It'll be interesting to see what style uh, Fury brings out because the good thing about Fury is that he can, he, you know, he can box and mm-hmm. he's a great boxer and he moves fast. He's got incredible head movement for a heavyweight. Um, but he showed, I mean, and we all thought he had feather fists. But he showed against Wilder that, you know, going to the Kronk gym, that's changed. He has got a good punch, but still not as good as, you know, an Anthony Joshua or a Wilder uh, when it comes to the punch power. Agree. But, you know, he can he can mix it up. But like I said, Anthony Joshua is an all-round good fighter, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, against Pulev, you know, he was showing the uppercut against Pulev and... Um, so it's good to see uh, Demetrius Andre was was you know using that uppercut as well the other night. I like I like to see the uppercut personally, um, but um, Joshua, yeah, um, I, I personally think he will stop Tyson Fury because you know Tyson Fury's been hurt before. So, I mean, Steve Cunningham dropped him. Yep. Uh, Wilder was like half a second away from from stopping him. Um, and I think, you know, AJ's power, um, but also AJ is an incredible finisher as well. You know, if I guarantee if, if he hurts Fury like Wilder hurt him in that fight, in the first fight, then he'll stop him. That's a good point. Yeah, because he knows how to finish because he has different weapons. If Wilder hurts you, yeah, you just got to look for the right hand. Now, it's hard, it's hard to get away from that right hand, but if you have the ability to do it, you can survive. And that's what Fury was able to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, another, uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, is there any news on uh, a new way? Because I've not heard anything. I haven't uh, heard anything. And, you know, already... Yeah. I don't know, man. Uh, there's a no. couple of names that have been tossed around dates and stuff like that, but nothing official. I, I honestly don't know. It's, it's a shame. Cause I think he's one of the best fighters in the world pound for pound right now. Yeah. He's my favorite, favorite fighter to watch. I think he's explosive and unbelievable. Yeah. And, uh, as well as, uh, Josh Taylor as well. So I'm looking forward to that Josh Taylor fight with, uh, Ramirez. I can't wait for Definitely. that fight. Yeah. I'll be doing a fight party right, for that one on my it. channel. So <laughs> yeah, that's going to be awesome. I'll tune into that. Yeah, we'll have to have a couple of drinks for that one. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm having a couple of uh, nice, expensive scotches tonight. So Yeah, that sounds good, man. <laughs> yeah. First Monday off work for a long time, so might yeah. as well. Enjoy it. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, I will do. Okay, cheers, Mike. Good to speak to you again. And yeah, I'll Chris. call in soon. All right, man. Have a good one. Yeah, take care. All the best to you and the wife. Thank you, sir. Yeah, take it easy, brother. All right, you too, man. See ya. There he goes, Chris Bergen on the chat. Good guy. Really great guy. All right, guys. Um, here we are. 
Man, hour and a half. I thought this was going to be a short show, but here we are, hour and a half later. Let's get to this preview real quick, and then we'll close it out. Um, so uh, I talked a little bit about this at the top of the show for those of you who – well, uh, first of all, PBC on FS1 show, Tuesday, April 20th. There's that. But this Thursday, <clears throat> April 22nd, Ring City USA show, that is at the U.S. Military Academy, West Point, New York, Embassy Sports Network here in the States. I'm covering that for ringtv.com. And part of that was because I was going to have a preview for the show. I was going to have Stephen Shaw on the show tonight, but that fight got canceled. Jermaine Franklin uh, tested positive for COVID. So the Franklin Shaw heavyweight fight that I was so looking forward to, two American undefeated heavyweights, it's postponed. They're still going to do it. They're just going to do it later this year. All right. So that will be on another uh, Ring City USA show, as I understand it. But we still have some female action on this fight. Uh, Canadian, very experienced Canadian female uh, featherweight title holder, Jelena Regenovich, going up against uh, Mexican Erica Cruz Hernandez. So uh, look for that. And then Saturday, April 24th, top rank on ESPN from the Silver Spurs Arena in Kissimmee, Florida. Silver Spurs Arena. When I hear that, I think Texas. I don't think Florida, but Kissimmee, Florida. I, I guess, I don't know. Anyway, Silver Spurs Arena. Emmanuel Navarrete going up against Christopher Diaz. This is the first defense of the vacant WBO featherweight title he won in his last fight. Navarrete fought four times in 2019, three times during 2020. During, I mean, the COVID year where many fighters didn't even fight. He fought three times. This will be his first fight of 2021. Of course, he is out of Mexico going up against Diaz, who is from Puerto Rico. So you got some Mexico versus Puerto Rico action here. Navarrete should win this fight. He should be the heavy favorite. And also Edgar Berlanga, 16-0 with 16 knockouts all early on in the first round, going up against Desmond Nicholson, who is experienced, but he has been stopped twice. He's going to get stopped in this fight. The question is when. Can Berlanga? Make it to the second round of a fight. I, last time I said he would, and it didn't happen. So I was made to look stupid. You know what? What the? I'm going to say it again. He's going to go to the second round in this fight. I say Nicholson will get to two or three rounds, and then he'll get knocked out. This is an eight-round super middleweight fight. All right. Uh, Chris is still on. He uh, posts a super chat pledge here. Thank you so much, Chris. He says, I forgot to mention Tyson Fury's layoff. Great point. Great point. Tyson Fury has been out of the ring since last, I think it was last January, was that fight with Wilder. So let's say this fight between Fury and AJ comes off in August, let's say. Well, that's a year and a half, more than a year and a half off for Tyson Fury. I don't know, man. I don't know if that works for him, but that's probably bad news. And I'm telling you right now, I completely agree with Chris. He makes great points. That is a 50-50 fight. People saying there's a lot of people that hate on AJ, especially in America, because he lost the fight. There's just this thing with American boxing fans. It's so stupid. I love my country. I'm American. I'm proud of it. But we have some dumb boxing fans over here that think if you lose a fight, even by knockout, that you're a chump and that you're overrated. Man, you guys got to get over that stuff. Get over it. I think that... I've, I've said this before. I'll say it again. Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua are the 1A and 1B of the heavyweight division. It's them and then the field. A lot of people say it's a three-headed monster. It's it's Fury, 
uh, AJ and Wilder. I disagree with that. I think Fury and AJ are on, a, on another level, and then it's everybody else, at least right now. That's what I see. All right, guys. Um, good stuff to that, man. Some great calls. Love it, love it. So we will do this again next Monday, all right? See you at the fights. Everyone have a great night. Thank you so much for watching and calling in.